0: Baseball, if you get a home run and a steal, a lot of people call it a combo meal. Yeah, let's, let's what, call what's it... What's a sack and an interception? Why don't we call it a double-double?
1: I like that! Everybody loves a double-double. You get a sack and a pick, we're going to call it a double-double.
2: They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires while listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography. They love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Kura, a Saskatchewan Roughriders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy Dancing with the Stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Kura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the 2 and Out Podcast. Ready, set,
0: Hut! Welcome to episode 15 of the 2 and Out CFL Podcast. It is Fraser and Kura. And uh, Fraser, there's not really much to talk about this week, man.
1: No, there's nothing. You know what? It's, <laughs> it's a, I just wish that like some team would like fire their coach and general manager yeah. so we'd actually have something to discuss.
0: <laughs> we That'd do be great. <laughs> We are coming up on the ultimate football sacred holiday weekend in Canada. Unless your fantasy football commissioner decides to have a fantasy football draft on the holiday Monday.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. This year's draft is on a Wednesday, so you make a relax with your accusations of yelling at me after you're hungover from a (laughs) Ryder game.
0: Yesterday, I'm in two leagues, two NFL
1: leagues. Both of them. Let's have a draft on Labor Day Monday. And you you roasted me for weeks for doing that in our NFL league. Oh, I did all season long. <laughs> I know. Let's have the draft. Let's redraft. Uh, the funny thing is with our league, uh, somebody asked me today. They're like, "Hey, when are we? Um, when are we drafting?" And uh, I completely forgot to send out a reminder email. Uh, I'm looking that up uh, right now. Uh, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't want to get? You don't want to do Holiday Monday? No. Oh, come on, just because you're gonna be so depressed from when my blue bombers beat your riders.
0: Dude, this is Ah oh, man. My team sucks, so I gotta watch Argo's Tie Cats and Stamps S for some good football around here.
1: Or, you know, you could be a bro and listen to me doing sidelines of the US Huskies against the Manitoba Bisons on Friday night, or again myself. Saskatoon Hilltops taking on the Regina Thunder Saturday night. The PFC Junior Football's two best teams meeting right here in Saskatoon. Hey, is there any uh, away commentators that I can listen to?
0: (laughs) 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 We do have a special guest joining us on the show. Joel Gasson from the Green Zone because, let's face it, there is some news coming out of Ryderville.
1: Hey, yeah, as they get rid of head coach Corey Chamberlain, general manager, VP, football operations, uh, man of, uh, king of sweatsuits, uh, Brennan Tamman, uh, two, the two guys that really built the 2013 Grey Cup champions are now uh, making as much money doing things in professional football, as you and I are, Travis. Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe let's just hope they don't start a podcast, because I imagine they'd be a little bit better than us.
2: Oh, we'd be in trouble. Let's get to it. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the To It Out podcast.
1: And as the turmoil in Rider Nation seems to have hit a fever pitch, a friend of mine, a friend of yours, and one of the uh, best writers on the Riders out there, Joel Gasson from CKOM, CJME, and the Green Zone in Regina. And Joel, uh, first off, let's start. You had a first-hand view. You were in Ottawa for the Brett Smith benching that led to the whole Rider situation that's gone on this week. Uh, what were some of your thoughts when Brett Smith got sat down?
3: Well, at first, we didn't really know what exactly was going on. It seemed like maybe he got dinged up. Maybe there was something like that going on, and we were just sitting there, all of us in the press box, me and Murray McCormick and some other guys, and we were just like, okay. Like, it, just, it just seemed out of the blue. I like have I've noticed before, and I, it didn't register for me at all, that Tino Scantari was warming up, but he's done mm. that in the past and hasn't gone in and actually played. Mm. And so this time, he actually did a little, little trot out there that he does, and I watched him, and I was just like, what what what's going on here? And then so I then we were all like, Okay, maybe it's just you know, they're gonna sit Brett for a series if he's not heard and he'll be back in and then Brett didn't come back. And then Brett didn't come back, and then Corey told what he told T S N at the half and then it was just at that point I was like, All right, this is over, it's time to move on from this guy. He's lost his marbles.
0: Yes, yeah, so it, it looked like uh, uh, Smith and Chamberlain were kind of eyeing each other up on the sideline, but it also looked like Messam and Chamberlain had a dust-up. Dust
3: up. Yeah, I, I, if you, I would, well, when I got home, I had the chance to watch the broadcast after I noticed most of the rest of the day there wasn't really a whole lot of players hanging around Corey Chamberlain, except for Antarius Bryan, basically, in the background most of the time. So it doesn't look like the players really took to that too well, and it showed on their play on the field. That, Frankly, in the second half, it looks like they gave up and just didn't care. And so it, that was a decision. That everyone knows what Tino Sinceri brings to the table at this point. Professional football players know which other professional football players aren't good, and Tino's one of them. And Brett's a guy that's always stepped up and been a leader and has get, left it all on the field, and he's given them every reason to have hope and to play hard. And I think they were rallying and playing hard around him more than anything else the last few weeks
1: well i i couldn't agree with you more there joel it was really interesting to me i remember after the calgary loss and all the losses you've seen veteran guys around brett smith reassuring him when he's come off the field it seemed like tino was like when you see your ex-girlfriend in a restaurant or something and she kind of walks by (laughs) you you know your eyes are not making contact that's the impression that i got i don't know if you saw the same thing kind of with tino uh live in ottawa
3: yeah, I mean Tino. Just, I, I mean we don't get the purview of being in the locker room all that often, so I don't really know. But the you know the general feeling I get is that maybe Tino isn't as beloved as some other people on that team. I mean, there you put eighty guys together; they're not everyone's going to like everyone. But it seems like Tino is one of those guys that maybe isn't among the fan favorites within that room. And certainly it appears that Brett Smith is. And you know, when you when you're a coach and you pull the heart right now of this team out. For mm-hmm. Tino Cinceri, and, and for really no particular reason, when he's sure, yes, that was a bad interception that he threw, but that's a rookie mistake. It's going to happen. He wouldn't have even had a chance to throw that pick if they didn't get down. Brett Smith led them down to the goal line, so they didn't yeah. get there in the first place without him. And even just before that, he had great he had great awareness and made a great play to get away from a sure sack. And then suddenly, you know, he had a bit of a brain fire. But until then, it was fine. Well,
1: brain farts are going to happen with rookies. and It's funny. I was texting you after that game and after the situation, and you told me, you know what, I've got some stuff written for Tuesday, but I don't think I'm going to run it. You and I kind of both saw the writing on the wall. What are your thoughts on the dismissal? I mean, I know you were one that uh, you said it earlier right here on the podcast that you know it's time for Chamberlain to go. Were you surprised that they actually made the moves and involved Brennan Tamman as well, Joel?
3: Brendan Salmon being, you know, kind of getting the, tide can, the can tied to him as well was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess there was the initial shock of like, okay, wow, they actually didn't completely clean house. And I think at some point we knew whether it was this week or next week or that Corey Chamberlain was going to be gone. There was just no way that the team could continue with what they were doing. And uh, they made the decision that Brendan Salmon wasn't doing a, a good enough job either. And if you really sit back and think about it i think it was there i mean the canadian talent has been completely depleted on the depth for this team which is you have to have top-notch canadians to win in the cfl there's this, no question about it and his biggest problem is that and the other thing he's done he basically and this is you know what i've been led to believe is he basically let Corey chamberlain walk all over him and this was the team that Corey chamberlain wanted he got everything his way despite what maybe brennan Tamman thought they should have done he just Always gave in to Corey and didn't didn't have that spine to say no, and to force his hand sometimes, like in the off season, it is outright saying, "No, we're not signing Jamel Richardson. No, I'm going to cut Taj mm-hmm. Smith, and we're just going to move on with young players." Well,
1: how su- I know you and I were very surprised at training camp, and uh, I-, I know me mixing my opinion with yours obviously reduces its credibility. Uh, Joel Gas and CK CKOFCJME <laughs> in the Green Zone, uh, but you and I were shocked at some of the guys they kept. Coming out of training camp, they seemed to go veteran when they had some good young guys. I know Alex Praschalski hasn't done a lot since then, but I know Carroll was another guy. Even Anthony Allen was a guy. You and I were both kind of surprised, or at least I was surprised, that he was let go. Uh, Did Corey... Alex Anthony, yes, that uh, brain farts today. I got so I got hilltops, huskies. I got so many players in my mind. It's all getting jumbled up. But regardless, were you a little? You and I were both surprised coming out of training camp. Was that an indication that Chamberlain had kind of taken over the team from Brendan Tammen and maybe led to Tammen's undoing?
3: Yeah, I think that was kind of the moment. That's when that power struggle began. And I think after the he got the vote of confidence, the you know the, the kiss of death sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. From the board of governors, the, Brendan Tamman seemed to get a little bit of that power back as they did force a few changes here or there. We finally saw Jamel Richardson go a few weeks ago, and Tash Smith was sent home, and some of the younger players started to work their way in. But ultimately, the push came to shove, we saw in Ottawa on Sunday that Corey Chamberlain was just unwilling to develop a young player. If any, if, well, a young player on offense anyway. It just seems if you're a first year player on offense and you make a mistake, be prepared to be benched. <laughs> if you're one of his boys on defense, keep doing whatever you want. It doesn't matter.
0: Is this a so. case where Chamberlain kind of became a different guy after winning the Grey Cup in 2013? Because, you know, you've seen the way, and I know it was before the Grey Cup, but the way Craig Dickinson was handled as special teams coordinator, and he was basically sent packing. And then the way Bob Dice last year, because he was offensive coordinator, and then, no, you're you're going to go take care of the special teams. Was uh, Did he just become a different guy after winning that championship
3: well i think the move with bob dice was it was unfortunate for bob but they did bring in a guy who is a better offensive coordinator i think but bob does a lot of things well but he wasn't the best oc in 2012 so i saw that move there but for the most part yeah after winning that Grey cup in 2013 it seems that ego that he has whichever he had coach should have to a certain degree Grew even larger than it needed to be and it just became an, a festering issue where Chamberlain thought that because so much had gone so right for him in his career through 2012 and 13 when he began as a very young head coach that everything was going right. This is easy. I'm, you know, I'm, I can handle anything. Everything I do works and all of a sudden it stopped working and I, I don't think he really knew how to humble himself and get over the fact that maybe he's not as good of a coach as he thought he was
0: now greg quick has been there i don't know if he's been making any decisions does this mean that he finally gets <laughs> the coach
3: well this is the thing we don't really know what they've been up to they the, the two of them have keep saying that we're saying that they've been working together and it's been a team effort between him Corey chamblin and greg quick all along but now we know for sure it's, it's going to be him i don't think bob dice is going to have uh he will have a bit of a say, I'm sure, but he won't really be as involved in the defense as Corey Chamberlain was, and I don't think he'll be as involved in the offense with Jacques Chaplin. He'll kind of be he'll finally actually have a head coach that'll kind of oversee everything, and it, it, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be certainly be a trial period for Greg Quick, but if they do decide at the end of the season that when they hire a new general manager, or if Jeremy O'Day becomes the guy full time, then maybe you'll want his own team in there and they could all be gassed at the end of the year. Anyway,
0: it has been said that, uh, uh, and we did just talk about it, that Chamberlain really wanted the veteran guys in there. He was unwilling to develop the young guys. Does that maybe speak to the struggles of the defense? Because instead of putting the players in positions to succeed, he was kind of trying to mask and be complicated, something that maybe young players don't really get at this point in their career.
3: Yeah, I think there's some different things going on with the defense. Uh, I think up front, some of those guys have certainly hit a wall, and I'll admit I didn't think it was going to happen this year. I saw that starting defensive line, and I saw you know, three guys, 30 or older, and then a couple of rookies, and I thought eh, maybe they'll get by for a year and be okay, but clearly, I think if you look at a guy like Terius George, it seems like he's hit the wall and <laughs> you're not getting any push whatsoever from those from the young Canadians, Brendan Tannis showed maybe a little bit of hope, but now we don't really know what his status is after suffering that injury in Ottawa. So there's going to have to be a lot of questions there, and we'll have to see what changes will be made on defense, and if Rob, uh, Bob Dice, with the help of Greg Quick, will be interested in doing some different things with the ratio and maybe you know doing a genius idea and playing Matt Webster in the secondary so you can go All-American up front at times and see if that will make a difference in the defense.
1: Matt Webster, a guy who was very highly talked about coming out of training camp, too, uh,
3: Uh, by the way. He's entirely phenomenal, but can't get on the field (laughs) more than like. (laughs) <laughs> Third of
1: the game. Smartest, smartest guy in the room, buddy. He, he never sees the field. Let, let's take a look at this new regime here, Joel. Uh, Joel Gasson, CJME, Regina, CKOM in Saskatoon, the Green Zone. Uh, if you like the riders, make sure to uh, read along, follow along, listen to uh, the Green Zone and all their rider coverage. Uh, Joel, looking at the new regime, Bob Dice, to me, whenever I've had the opportunity to interview him, seems like you're talking to a guy and I, this isn't saying bad about anybody else, but Bob Dice seems to me like I talk to him and you're like, Oh, you are way smarter than I could ever dream of being. Uh, is he the right fit for this football team right now? Seems like he's got the players respect.
3: Yeah. I, I think Bob Dice is a guy who is very well respected the room. And genuinely, if you ever, if you ever get the chance to talk to him, he just seems like a genuinely good yeah. guy, which you know, sometimes Corey didn't have that vibe. And I, I think there's, You'll have the respect of the room and the listen to him, and uh, no respect, no disrespect to Bob either, but frankly, if you're going to have an interim head coach from within the organization right now, I don't know if there was any other options. Jacques Schafteling doesn't really come across to me as a guy who who could handle the whole team. Mm -hmm. Bob Dice does that on a regular basis, other than maybe the quarterbacks and a few offensive linemen. He has the whole team at his disposal all the time, so he's a little used to that, and he's been around the CFL 15 years, so... He's a guy that can handle it. He's respected. He's liked in the room. Even uh, Brian Peters tweeted today, yesterday, during the, when the news came out that uh, there wasn't any better guys to take over than Jeremy O'Day and Bob Dice. So it seems like these are guys that are respected within the room, and it should hopefully help keep that group together.
1: We touched on Tino a little bit, and I know Craig Reynolds that uh, earlier today at the news conference wouldn't directly answer the question, was Chamberlain gassed because of the decision to put in Tino Sinceri and then we find out later this afternoon Tino Sinceri's been cut read between the lines uh is this basically the new regime saying okay Tina was one of Corey's guys he's the first one to go and could he start a domino effect here Joel?
3: Uh there should be a domino effect certainly that starts as we know there's some other names that probably should be following suit <laughs> Macho Harris and I, <laughs> I, I just thought but his hair's so good Joel <sighs> No. no. No, I I think what this team is doing right now is they have to find that medium point right now where, yes, they still want to go up there and try to win games, but they need to find who's going to be a part of this team going forward. And Pino Ciceri clearly is not anywhere near the future for the plans of this team, so there's no point in him being here. Might as well roll out Brett Smith every game, and Kevin Glenn will act around as as a mentor and help him out and be his backup. And then... You know, maybe you take the odd look at Keith Price. Maybe you look at Blake Sims, who hasn't looked that bad in practice either. It looks like he's at least able to throw a deep ball pretty well. So maybe there's something that you can develop there, and that's what this team has to do the rest of the year now. And Tino Censeri just gets in the way of that. You
1: mentioned Macho Harris is maybe one guy that's going to see himself out the door. Could you see Jeremy O'Day going into a bit of a fire sale mode, maybe seeing what the market's like for some of his veteran players, especially like I look at a guy like Rob Bagg. Uh, He looks like he still has uh, something in the tank. He'd be a great veteran ad, a great Canadian ad uh, for another team, maybe as a guy that O'Day is going to dangle out there to get uh, younger. Are there any other names that you've maybe heard that could be dangled by uh, interim GM Jeremy O'Day?
3: hasn't really been any names thrown around yet and it's not really a thing that happens a whole lot in the cfl really for whatever reason i don't think any american players are really going to get any value for so there's pretty no. much no point there because people just go off the streets of america and pick someone else up if they really want to um you know i think you mentioned bag that's a guy that if they could get something they might consider it and i think uh, another guy that i've kind of thought about at times maybe as a Chris best he's getting up there in years he's mm-hmm. a little he gets banged up from time to time and he could certainly provide some offensive line depth for another team but of course the package would have to be pretty good in return and if we're talking about trades like this to uh, you know, craig reynolds hinted today he suggested that any kind of major trade involving the future of the organization would have to be approved by him since he you know oh day is still the interim gm at this point you don't want him You know, may say, "Well, I'm just interim, so I'm just going to go crazy here, right?" So,
1: no, (laughs) No, for for sure, sure. no, yeah, he's going to be involved in the football operations department more than I think any of us ever anticipated him being uh, when he was kind of hired as CEO.
3: Yeah, and I just want to say that I thought today, for his first major news conference as the guy who made a decision, that Craig Reynolds handled himself incredible today. Oh yeah, absolutely. He took control of that press conference, answered every question with conviction and was very clear in his message. I was I was very impressed with Greg
0: today. Now, uh, yesterday, uh, Gary Lawless is at it again. He releases a report saying that Eric Tillman uh, is liked by the board of directors in Saskatchewan and could be asked to come back at the end of the year. Now, we look, he he's, has a big part of bringing all that talent into Hamilton, and their depth there is incredible. Is it possible that he returns next season?
3: I mean, I suppose anything is possible at this point. Uh, Craig Reynolds has said that they haven't talked to any other, they haven't talked to any candidates yet. They're not going to really approach the subject until the end of the season. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I think he's a guy that if push comes to shove, if he's an option, I would certainly suggest he should be an option. He's proven he could do it. I know there's certainly other issues that would be a play that would have to be smoothed over, but, You know, this is professional football, and sometimes this team has lacked that, you know, that killer instinct, that idea that we need to be ruthless within what we do, and Eric Tillman's certainly one of those guys that does that. I don't know if they ultimately go that route, but I think it's certainly worth a phone call at least.
1: And we've mentioned possible GM candidates. I'm not going to let you off the hook with a vague answer here, Joel. Uh, (laughs) Who do you think will be uh, coaching the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next season? Coaching? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make you answer this
3: one. I oof. Who do I think or who I hope? Uh Let's go both. Hope, I think, you know, selfishly, I think, you know, a guy that's obviously, you know, can handle a good interview. Like, I think Mike Benavides or, ba- or Paul Vapolis are two guys that are pretty easy to deal with and yeah. good guys and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I think they might go a different route. I think we might be surprised. There might be a time for... Say an Orlando Steinhauer or Noel Thorpe to step up rather than go with the obvious route right of those two.
1: Any chance they beat the Bombers on Sunday? I mean, the Bombers are outside of the Riders. Are looking.
3: They're just, the, they're two equally bad teams, so anything's <laughs> possible, really. I mean, if you hey. look at it, Brett Smith, I think, is a little further along right now than uh, Robert Marv, so they actually have the edge there for once. And, you know, if they can get some resemblance of a defense. Uh, maybe there's a chance, and if they block another punch, then I think they, they've got a deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> either either way, take the under this weekend, Joel. Thanks for coming out on this two and out CFL podcast. Where can people get more of your stuff?
3: Uh, you can uh, check out everything on uh, on our website at GreenZoneFootball.com. The links uh, right up there, and uh, we got everything on Facebook.com/slash uh, GreenZoneFootball and at Home of the Fans on Twitter.
1: Wonderful, Joel. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks again Joel uh, funny story we tried to have Joel on once other time <laughs> and Travis forgot to hit the record button and uh, Joel was actually quite mad at us uh, he, him and I didn't talk for about a week uh, which is rare I text him often uh, so again Joel thank you for coming on and Travis thank you for actually hitting the record button this time and not screwing it up
0: I'm still trying to come up with the reason that it's your
1: fault uh. <laughs> it isn't <laughs> listen the holiday Monday football draft and the fact that you have no away commentary for the Saskatoon Hilltops game. Those are my fault. I accept responsibility for those, but you can sit on a carrot and wiggle if you think that you not hitting record is my fault. Okay, I'll give you that one. (laughs) But in all all seriousness, uh, I was kind of surprised to see how quickly... Uh, that move was made in in Rider Nation. I was I was surprised to see them kind of give in to the fans' demands for the first time. But uh, you know, I'm hearing rumblings that they tried throwing Chamberlain out the door earlier this year, and it just it sounds like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a gong show as you expect an 09 football team to be. I'm not surprised that two and out Tino Sinceri is unemployed again. The uh, official that,
0: quarterback of the two and out podcast. The official quarterback of. The- It was formerly Cleo Lemon, but now that Tino's not in the league anymore, for now anyway, I think we can deem him the official quarterback of the podcast.
1: Well, I, I don't think that Tino's going to be back in the league anytime soon. I would uh, safe to say that uh, Cleo Lemon probably has a safer chance of coming back <laughs> and playing for somebody like Winnipeg by now. Uh, Tino, again, I can't say enough nice things about Tino Sinceri, the person, uh, and my dealings with him, always professional, always a good interview, always took the time to do charitable things. But Tino Sinceri on the field, man, just he looked like a deer in headlights. It, it was like he was one of those guys, was the perfect example, that there's a massive jump between the NCAA AA and the CFL and he just couldn't adapt because, I mean, he he ripped it up when he was at Pitt. He did, yeah. But, it, and again, it's funny watching, like, now that Chamberlain and Tamman are gone, it's a little comical in watching the fact that all the Ryder fans are going back and looking at every single move and said, well, had we not gotten rid of Ricky Foley, we wouldn't be in this situation. And, and you know, everybody's injured. And everybody's, every team has injuries. Every team has made bad deals at some point. You know, I told you here on the podcast, I was concerned about their depth. I flat out said, I think it was episode one or episode two. If their starters get injured, they're in for a world of hurt. This season has proven that it's one of the few things I've gotten right on this podcast. So I'm going to sit at the top of a mountain and say, I was right in You were wrong. I'm going to sing the I Was Right song. I mean, my Bombers are still going to lose on Sunday to an 0-9 football team that has a new head coach and was a week removed from having Tino Sinceri quarterback. (laughs) But hey, at least I could say I was right about the injury thing. Um, One final
0: thought on the whole thing. I don't really think... I don't know... I can't see Chamberlain trying to get fired, and no, uh, no, lot- he
1: didn't pull. He didn't pull a George Costanza. Anybody who says that should just like just stop tweeting for like a day. You were on a day Twitter timeout if you honestly tweeted saying that Corey Chamberlain was trying to get fired. I mean, we can all joke that oh, that's what it looked like by pulling Brett Smith, but no, nobody is pulling a George Costanza and driving around in the parking lot of Mosaic Stadium with the Grey Cup. In tow behind his pickup truck.
0: (laughs) And a lot of people are uh, saying that the Tino Sanceri release makes it look like that, yeah, he was, you know, trying to get fired, and that justifies it, but I don't see it that way at all.
1: Well, to me, this is the only justification I could possibly imagine for Chamberlain putting in Sanceri. If you thought, even though the score didn't dictate it, if you thought you were losing that game, I maybe that was their last and final utter look at can Tino Sinceri do this he played well against Ottawa last year I mean we find out there may have been a sideline altercation which I don't care about no matter how he did if you pull me from a game and I think I'm playing well I'm going to give you an earful and he you're going to hear mad. It from me. he it's, should it's, be mad exactly you should and the whole team like Joel said just seemed to be deflated in that entire second half it was some of the worst football they've played uh, but obviously Tino was a Chamberlain guy uh, he is no longer there. I mean, it was pretty obvious. I think the third question into today's news conference in Regina was the new head coach, Bob Dice. And Bob flat out said, uh, he, like, he laughed a little and said, yeah, Brett's our starting quarterback.
0: And some people had said, or I heard Chamberlain had said, uh, we were down so much. There was just no point in putting Smith back in. But if you're down 25, why don't you just throw Keith Price in there and let him have some reps <laughs> in game
1: action? Exactly. He's been on your roster on and off now for basically the better part of a year. Let's see what he can bring to the table. And now with Kevin and Glenn still, I'm assuming uh, by my math, this would be Smith has played four games since Glenn went down. So I don't think he can practice until after this next game. So maybe if things do go sideways in the Labor Day Classic somehow, uh, again, speaking as a Bomber fan, I can't see it. Maybe that's when you see Keith Price. I mean, he's been in and out of the team for a year. Let's see what the kid can do on the field.
0: And I'm not asking that. Uh, like, I don't think Price should be starting. But if, if if the Riders are blowing the Bombers out or the Bombers
1: are blowing the Riders out. Why see not go in there? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, which, is, which is what Chamberlain should have done with Keith Price if he was that mad at Brett Smith last week.
0: Uh, Let's get to some other news around the CFL. Now, uh, Aust Davis wrote a cool uh, piece on this in CFLpass.ca. It is some Canadians that are sticking in the NFL after the first round of cuts. Now, Tyler Varga, we watched him up here with uh, Yale. Man, (laughs) yeah, that guy can play, and it looks like... He's doing okay with the Indianapolis Colts he actually had a touchdown
1: and uh he might he might stick there well again with the with the Indianapolis Colts and I had a conversation with Ben heenan uh, it was off the record me and Ben had just ran into each other in an event we were bull, well, we were BSing uh just shooting the breeze and and I said to Ben I'm like well you know, when you picking Indianapolis, it seems like they're one of the franchises down there that actually gives CFL guys legitimate shots. You don't see a guy getting western Freeman, Kenton Keith and exactly, Ben Headen until he hurt his knee. Uh, now uh, along with Varga, you're looking at Canadian guys and CFL guys that get a legitimate shot. You know, in Indianapolis, if I was a CFL guy or even a Canadian and an NFL team was calling and I had to pick between, you know, any of the 32 teams, I think I'd be, you know, looking at Indianapolis. They seem to give guys a fair shot rather than, you know, pulling a Western Dressler where, okay, you're the third string punt returner and 12th string receiver. And they don't even get any reps.
0: They don't even get any reps at all. They just they're just
1: a body, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that I think Indianapolis has always uh, done well. Now, this almost becomes like a second trade deadline day when, you know, the yeah. final NFL cuts are made and you see some of these guys that are on the bubble, maybe becoming free agents. That's when you get every CFL team looking right at, especially some of these Canadian guys that maybe don't make it. And, you know, saying, hey, come play with us. It's you didn't make the NFL. The CFL's for you. It looks like Brett Boyko is struggling in
0: Philly. He could end up up here. Uh, Christian Covington, uh, he's actually looks like he's doing okay with Houston. They have mm-hmm. an awesome defense. And uh it looks like Brett Jones, uh, I don't think he's going to make it with the Giants. And the Lions have already said they are ready to snap him up. But I got to think there's eight other teams ready to snap him up as well.
1: Oh, uh, Jones is going to have his pick of the litter in the CFL. He can basically decide where he wants to go. They're all going to offer him a large contract for a Canadian offensive lineman. I think he'd be the highest offensive lineman in the league when he comes back. Oh, for sure he would be. Uh, Brett Boyko is another guy, Saskatoon kid. Uh, He would be a guy that if released, I don't think he'd get the big money instantly, but he'd get himself a handsome payday coming to play here in Canada. Imagine, Could you imagine if one team, maybe with some O-line concerns or some injury concerns along there, (coughs) Hamilton, uh, (laughs) happened to get both those guys? I think... I, I think just saying that, I think I can hear Josh Smith from Podski Wee Wee crying tears of joy in the distance. <laughs> and I live uh, in Saskatoon. That's impressive.
0: The Shaw CFL Top Performers of the Week were released. The Eskimos sweep. James Franklin, Kendall Lawrence, and Darrell Walker, who, by the way, man, he's
1: 11th in the league in receiving after three games. He is He is. Unreal! You look in our two and out CFL league. Uh, Tyrell picked him up, basically got his first win, avoided the Brazilian that way. Yeah. Uh, be- because he did get one win in our fantasy league, all because of Walker. But it's it's funny, like when the Shaw CFL top performers come out. Now they're, they're not the players of the week. I've never seen them met with such apathy since they made this switch. Nobody yeah. gives a damn.
0: Yeah, they, they, I don't know why it's it's that way now, but uh, I feel like there has to be a defensive guy, there has to be a special teams guy, and there has to be an offensive guy. Maybe that's just the old. And a Canadian, in me. I think people yeah. don't give a yeah. damn
1: because there's no more Canadians. I mean, look at look at the history of the award. How many Canucks have won a damn thing? So people like even the CFL website. Like I'm 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 quite literally. On the CFL website right now, and they've got, you know, their, their four news items that scroll through their headlines. The CFL top performers is in small print on the right of the column, just ahead of the snap, below the power rankings. I, again, today was a big news day in Ryderville, but it's even like the CFL's going, uh, yeah, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> did you see what Emmanuel Arsenault said? No, I
0: did not. The Montreal Alouettes are not good. That's basically what he said.
1: (laughs) But yet, they're in a playoff spot ahead of your team right now.
0: To me, it kind of feels like they're just trying to make a BC-Montreal rivalry because the rest of the Labor Day weekend is (laughs) top-notch rivalry, you know?
1: You know what? I I am totally in favor of that because that game has always seems to be the letdown game on Labor Day. Uh, I mean, you've got your classic bombers, riders, Argos, tabbies, Eskies, stamps, and then oh, uh, yeah, there's this other game with these teams that they don't really hate each other. Hey, uh, what I don't get is how do you not have, at least in the rematch weekend, how are you not doing Ottawa and Montreal? There's at least a geographical rivalry there a little bit. Instead, it's Ottawa, BC. Again, you have three great rematches, and uh, hey, there's this other game. Yeah, to it's me, great. there's a, there's a
0: rivalry there in Ottawa and Montreal. Like, just yeah. let it
1: happen, you know? I know instead we keep getting the least watched I and again it's maybe it's just a testament that that you and I are both living in western Canada and we just don't have the same exposure to the Lions or the or the Montreal Alouettes but I just it seems to me there is no two teams met with greater apathy anywhere than the Lions and Alouettes whether it's a Grey Cup I mean even hell even when we were at the Grey Cup in Vancouver it's like uh Hey, where's the, where's the Lions fans? Where are you guys? And we did meet some unreal Lions fans that, that sat with us, but they just don't seem to have that presence, you know, league wide that the rest of the clubs do.
0: And it uh, looks like the CFL welcomed its one millionth fan of all time through the gates. <laughs> uh,
1: you mean of uh, this season? Yeah, that was uh, that was literally the dumbest thing I've ever said. Thinking millionth fan of all time? What teams average twelve people a game? So
0: <laughs> Kevin Jeez. Riddell is the CFL's 1 million fan this year. Isn't that like isn't Riddell like a uh, isn't that a brand of like football equipment or something? Uh helmets
1: uh helmets I believe. This he's, is fishy. Fish. <laughs> Fish. You know what, though, he's the kind of guy. From what I kind of saw about him, looks like he makes a long commute to make it to the CFL games. Yeah, a deserving a deserving uh, winner of the one million fan. It's not some guy that. Uh, uh, yep, I got into the league on 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 Tuesday. What did and, I win? <laughs> uh, what did I win? Who's the CFL? I'm just I'm just here to meet my buddies. <laughs> That's kind of like what it looks like in the stands at Blue
0: Jays games these days. This is the cool thing to
1: attend. Let's go watch baseball. I don't know, man. Those fans, like, I will give them credit for selling out the Skydome. It's not the Rogers Center, Skydome to me, damn it. But when you watched the other night when they were playing Detroit and the whole ninth inning, they're on their feet screaming their faces off while Asuna's up there for the save. They seem like smart baseball fans. Toronto, I mean, let's face it, Toronto is one of those cities that will always get behind a winner. The Blue Jays are doing good. Uh, I mean, the Argos, unfortunately, remain an afterthought in that city. I'm hoping that changes uh, when they go to BMO, but... You know what? There's a lot of smart baseball people around that just, I mean, the team hasn't done a damn thing for 22 years. I mean, even look at the Bomber fan base. We're starting to dwindle in numbers because we haven't done a damn thing for 25 years. I
0: think that's about 45 seconds too much baseball talk for this podcast. So let's get to the <laughs> Fantasy Exposé. <laughs>
2: Time for the fantasy expose on the two and out podcast. All
0: right. I want to start the expose with uh, some stats that friend of the podcast, Derek Taylor, came up with. And what he did was he ranked the offensive lines uh, in the
1: CFL. Like I think I think I do a lot of prep work for every game I work, and then I look <laughs> at what Derek does and I go, uh nope, he is putting me to shame again. Uh one of the best follows on Twitter if you're hardcore, if you're into analytics and stats and really getting into the game. Yeah, absolutely follow Derek Taylor on Twitter. He's been on the podcast before. Uh he's yeah, he's he's an all around and all of our guests are all around great guys, but yeah, I just I just get I almost get lost in the numbers you know, following, you know, Derek Taylor.
0: Now, John, I don't know if you've looked, but don't look if you haven't yet. Guess who's the number one offensive line in the CFL?
1: Um, just from the eye test, I want to say Calgary. It's the BC Lions. That is strange. I thought it would be, I thought it'd be Calgary Edmonton they're
0: number 3 in yards per carry and yeah. they're the runaway leader in sack percentage. Uh Calgary's actually number 6. Uh the runaway wow. best the past two seasons. But now they're sixth in yards per rush and sack percentage. And the Eskies are at number two. So the, uh, the I can rankings- guess who's on the
1: bottom. I know who's on the bottom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it the Blue Bombers? It is. Hey! <laughs> Nothing like letting your tackles just completely whiff on guys and murder the face of your quarterback until you're starting Brett Marv and Brian No... Brian Brom has as many <laughs> career touchdown passes in the pros as you and I do. They... Uh- uh,
0: they actually improved their sack percentage from last year, but they're still the worst.
1: <laughs> oh. Well, and they're still letting Drew Willy basically get murdered directly in the face. Yep.
0: So this is how the Lions rank: uh, it's Lions, Eskies, Riders, Alouettes, All Caps, Stamps, Argos, Tie Cats, and then Bombers.
1: Interesting. No, that's that. That's some good research by our boy Derek Taylor.
0: And the Ty Cats can hardly run the ball, so I can I can totally see where that's coming from. It's funny how some offensive lines they struggle with running, but they're great at pass blocking, and uh, vice versa. So let's talk Ty Cats, man. Uh, what the hell does that mean? We can't play the song anymore, dude. Five percent of people picked it on CFL Pick'em.
1: Well, we said we were going to roll with the Tabbies until they lost at home, until they lost at Tim Hortons Field. Exactly that happened. 23 to... Try that again. Well, now you want
0: to read Hamilton's number first because you assume they're winning, but they didn't.
1: I know. It's the. Hey, it's not like we're live or anything. Uh, 26-23 Montreal wins as I tried a second time. Uh, Tanner Marsh, kind of the hero of the day for yeah. Montreal. 11 of 18, 99 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, uh, one interception. Brandon uh, Rutley-,
0: Rutley is an instant star against that Ticat defense. He looked awesome.
1: Getting 62 yards against the Thai Cats is like yeah. getting 120 against anybody else. I just – I find it interesting, you know, taking a close look at the stats uh, right now. Obviously, Rutley with the long 65-yard reception is only catch of the day uh, from Rakeem Cato. I just – I find it interesting. You look at these numbers on both sides, and from a fantasy perspective, you go – nothing really jumps out offensively. Nothing yeah. really looked that great. I mean, it was a close game all the way. Uh, probably one of the best performers was Hamilton's. Uh, Johnny Sears Jr., seven tackles, the forced fumble uh, in that game. Outside of that, not a lot of uh, inspiring numbers, and that's usually a good indication that it was a hard-fought, hard-hitting, close football game uh, that uh, Montreal came comes out on top after a late field goal.
0: Z Bear looked great. He had a sack and an interception, and I feel like we need a name for that. What the is a Sack it? and what?
1: interception.
0: Yeah, like there has to be some sort of name. Like that's called the like the 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 coffee and donut combo or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> there has to be there has to be something like in baseball. If you get a home run and a steal, a lot of people call it a combo meal.
1: Yeah, let's but let's what, call what's it a
0: sack and an interception. Why don't we call it a double
1: double? I like that! Everybody loves a double double. You get a sack and a pick, we're gonna call it a double double. There we go. The, the, what happens if I know, and then we're gonna call if you get a sack an interception and a forced fumble, we're gonna call that a breakfast sandwich meal with a hash brown. <laughs> and and on top of that, if you get a pick six, we're gonna call it a pluck six because you're gonna pluck it out of the air, run it all the way back, pluck six. And if you get all of that, we're going to call it a dozen donuts.
0: Yes! <laughs> well, that's like hitting the cycle in baseball. Like it just doesn't happen.
1: Like uh, you watch some Saskatoon Hilltops games, it happens sometimes there, my friend. The dozen donuts? the dozen donuts i've seen uh, i've seen nearly a dozen donuts uh pulled before i haven't seen touchdowns on both the pick six and the fumble recovery but uh i got to give a shout out i believe it was luke melnick 2 weeks ago in winnipeg had a 93 yard pluck six he had a sack and he might have had a fumble recovery i don't have my stat sheets in front of me
0: wow that is awesome well you know i feel like the montreal and hamilton game it, it's kind of, well, Montreal did win the season series against Hamilton, so it seems like maybe they just have their number.
1: It, some teams, that's the biggest thing with football. Some teams, yeah. no matter how good or how bad, will just match up well against each other. I think Montreal is showing that they're sneaky good, and for the first, I honestly think, with how inept the Blue Bombers have been and how inconsistent the Lions have been, I think we're going to see an Eastern team cross over for the first time. I feel like
0: it's in between – now, this sounds bizarre, but I almost think it's in between the Owls and the Riders.
1: <laughs> you're, you're. I, I did say if they win four in a row, they could go out on a limb, but you have to look at now. Saskatchewan, with nine games left, is essentially four wins behind now the Montreal yeah. Alouettes. Uh, Montreal, again, they, they go at BC and then onto their uh, bye week. So I would say, I to me, it's going to come down to Montreal and BC. Only because BC still has Travis Lule and Andrew Harris. So it looks like I have uh,
0: tickets for the West Semi, Alouettes and Eskimos. Oh, Yay! Isn't that awesome? And
1: uh, speaking of those Eskimos, uh, they continued to impress. Uh, they beat uh, the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, I know the Eskimo Empire guys have been saying, "Hey, it's Franklin," because Jermaine <laughs> Franklin, twenty nine to thirty eight, three thirty five, and one touchdown. I James know I had some, Franklin. I had-
0: Jermaine Franklin's with TSN.
1: Did I? Wow! I am all over the first night. I tonight. ran into Jermaine Franklin
0: at the one hundredth Grey Cup. Alls I know, it was very fuzzy, and I'm like, "Hey, Jermaine!" And he gave me a high five. That's 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 the amount of interaction I had with
1: Jermaine Franklin. Kind of like the time we ran into Rod Smith, and he was like, he had like five beers in his massive mitts. Uh, there is
0: blurry proof of that meeting, though.
1: <laughs> there is. We do have proof of that. Uh, you can see the beers in his hand. James Franklin, I apologize, Eskies listeners. Uh, sometimes I'm uh, not exactly on my game. Uh, tonight being one of those nights. On top of the great passing performance, uh, 4 for 51 rushing, had another touchdown on the ground, and I know when me and the Eskimo Empire podcast guys were talking about it, we had some random coming to left field, like, what? You said a rookie should start week one? And I'm like, no, you idiot! You moron! Do your research! I said after Mike Riley went down, and I hadn't had coffee yet, so I just ripped some guy to shreds on Twitter over something that really I kind of overdid it. I'll <laughs> admit that I'm an angry man, but uh, I kind of I needed to make a relax on that one.
0: Jarrell Walker, seven catches, 164 yards. The guy continues to look unbelievable. Now, I just did my TSN Fantasy roster for this week. He's finally on there. He wasn't on there for his first two games, and he is 80K. So I know they're up against the Stampeders, but when they have a Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford, you know, kind of taking the coverages away from Walker, I think he's going to continue to put up nice numbers. So I've got him on my TSN fantasy team, and I am 55th
1: in the country. I could be winning this whole thing. Wow, that's impressive considering how bad we are at Pickham in the fantasy football.
0: A friend of the podcast, Derek Taylor, is 2600th in the country, so that gives you some perspective. Oh, shots
1: fired! <laughs> uh, on the Toronto side, uh, Trevor Harris keeps on Trevor Harrising uh, a decent game. Did have the one interception, twenty to twenty six, two hundred yards. Adrian McPherson uh, comes out of nowhere uh, with the one yard touchdown pass. Uh, Gale also uh, throwing one incomplete pass. Uh, Chad Kackert uh, the leading rusher for the Toronto Argonauts, with. 16 yards, Anthony Coombs leading receiver, uh, 6 for 50, uh, Hazleton uh, with the one touchdown.
0: And I think that's going to catch up to Toronto as the year goes on. Uh, They just don't really have much of a rushing game. Uh, They did earlier. They seem to be doing okay with Whitaker, but right now they aren't running the ball at all. Uh, And that's going to catch up to them as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, you need a good running attack to win football games. They just don't have it right now. Uh, I know I had Whitaker in one of my leagues. I was all happy. I'm like, hey, he's not dead. And then he completely went and got injured and is now basically irrelevant. So that's awesome. <laughs> Odell Willis had a big game, two sacks
0: uh for the Eskimos. He's starting to come into his own now. He's starting to make some noise uh for the Eskies, but other than that, everything is pretty straightforward. Kendall Lawrence, if you own him, that's yep. a interesting guy to own right now. Like he's not getting the most touches in the world, but they're getting him more involved. Uh, in the receiving game, he had seven catches. Of course, he didn't have 160 yards. But
1: but it- he did have a punt return touchdown, which is bonus points in uh, fantasy. Don't forget about that. Uh- and
0: that was electrifying. Being in Commonwealth for that was awesome.
1: Yeah, I could I could imagine. He's a guy that see, unlike Banks, I think he gets enough touches week to week that you can roll with him whenever you need to. Whether it's as a yeah. running back, a, as a you know, he's getting the ball a lot. I'd roll with him weekly. Uh, Toronto defensively, uh, Greenwood eight tackles and a sack, so nobody posting a double double or a breakfast sandwich combo with hash brown.
0: How long did you last into the Stamps and Bombers game?
1: Uh, all of it. Oh man! <laughs> All of it. I didn't even. I didn't even like. I watched from kickoff. I watched to the end, and I just. I just. I just can't. I just. I just. I, I can't. I just can't anymore, Travis. I just. Yeah. If
0: you look at uh, Cal or Calgary's offensive line, they just can't get that many yards. Like Troy Harrison had 15 carries for 60 yards. He just cannot get it done there it's uh well
1: remember it seems to be like the eighth string guys right now in calgary they're banged up real bad across that offensive line again watch for them when those if joins jones and uh, Boyko are released by the nfl they're going to be pushing hard huffnagel smart enough but thankfully for calgary they played the blue bombers and the blue bombers are absolutely off it's it's comically it's comical i wouldn't start a single bomber in fantasy unless you absolutely had to maybe defensively because their defense is on there all the time 'Cause neither quarterback can do a damn thing.
0: I start Westerman, he's great.
1: Oh yeah. Five tackles, one sack again. He was doing his thing. Uh Matt Buckner had an interception. Uh yeah, I wouldn't be starting anybody offensively for Winnipeg unless you absolutely had to. Clarence Denmark, six for fifty. Like it's just it's just a gong show there. I mean, if you think Saskatchewan's bad, look at look at Winnipeg. I mean, it's just gross. It makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit.
0: Well, and they did sign Siobhan Walker, and Walker is a guy that if you can get him space, he can do some damage. Now, but I you don't gotta know get him
1: space. Who the is gonna get him space? Robert Marv sure as hell can't. Brett Brom, again, I like to bring this up, has as many touchdown passes as you or me in the CFL.
0: I just don't know if Marcel Belfay has the smarts to get him space.
1: <laughs> oh, it's he seems to be they they're going very vanilla, and I get it. You got some inexperienced quarterbacks there, but it's 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 ugly in Winnipeg, and it's it's getting hard to watch. I'm still going to watch Labor Day Classic and Banjo Bowl, but I fully anticipate they will lose twice. Uh,
0: and Sean Lemon, of course, Calgary Stampeder from last year has been cut, and uh, I'm sure. He's going to, if he doesn't get anywhere else in the National Football League, we'll see him back in Canada in a couple weeks now. Oh,
1: for sure. Looking at Calgary's stats, though, I mean, it was just, it was domination. Yeah. 19 to 26 for Bo Levi, 3 14, two touchdowns. Like you said, Harrison, not a great game, 15 to 60, but look at the receiving core. Rodgers, we called it before the year, 7 for 152. Fuller had a touchdown along with uh, four catches for 56 yards. Hunter, your offensive stars there for uh, the Calgary Stampeders, who beat up on a junior. Football team.
0: Now we did talk about it a lot already with Joel of the Green Zone, the Riders and Red Blacks game on the Rider side of the ball. Uh, Naaman Roosevelt, he looked pretty good. Forty-six. Uh, he's he's and a, a sneaky good
1: guy that I know. Joel and I talked a lot about during training camp that we were both surprised that he wasn't in the starting lineup earlier.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> he, he he proved that he should be in there. You know, Dressler's Dressler three for eighty-six, yep. but. Jeremiah Johnson, if uh, you were able to pick him up, he's given you some good value. He's got
1: five touchdowns over the past two weeks. Yeah, and those are going to be some big numbers. 12 of 92, maybe not the biggest on the rushing numbers, but you said had the hat trick. Uh, Mo Price, his first touchdown catch which is a red-black. Ernest Jackson, five for 77. Uh, Brad Sinopoli, uh, four for 43. Uh, the best passer for the Riders was two-and-out Tino, uh, who is now unemployed and possibly working at a Denny's.
0: Yeah, so I feel like the rider side of the ball just it doesn't really matter in this game. Like nope. it it just doesn't really count. We can just kind of forget about it until uh, what they do. And I feel like this week's not going to count either because it's against Winnipeg. So we'll revisit Saskatchewan in two or three weeks
1: here. We will. Uh, <laughs> looking defensively, Javon Johnson, eight tackles. Justin Capicotti, uh three sacks. Had the sack hat trick. Uh, Hopkins with two sacks. Keith Scholligan with two sacks. Uh, basically, if you had anybody in the Ottawa defense, you did good. And we
0: do have to mention Aston Whiteside. He has looked great he has seven sacks on the season they finally had their legitimate uh defensive end on the other side of Justin Capuchotti to give him uh some support there he's out for the year torn ligaments in his knee uh after the rider game yikes uh let's update on the two and out podcast fantasy league we we suck <laughs> yeah we must be giving everybody great advice let's stick with that our problem is our receivers man what <laughs> like, we, let's not even talk about our team. Like, we're just terrible. Uh, the Deflatriots continue to do well. They're eight and two on the season, and the Walby Pops actually just beat us. Uh, of course, a big shout out there to Jim Pop and Chris Walby, uh, seven and three on the season, and the highest scoring team in the league. We lost to, so yeah. <laughs> so you can't feel bad, but Tyrell won. Hey, no Brazilian for him. But here's the thing. He changed his Twitter handle to Brazilian underscore tie. So I feel like there's a loophole there
1: that says, well, if that's your Twitter handle, it's going to happen anyway. Hmm. You know what? You're going to be the one with him at Grey Cup, so you make sure this happens.
0: All right. All I have to do is get some rums in him and just wax him while he's out. (laughs) Gross.
2: (laughs) Let's get to the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL.
0: BC, Montreal, the most inspiring, most rivalry filled game of the week,
1: uh, Thursday night (laughs) in Montreal. Like, could they they not make that less like, hey, it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, Let's stick you on a Thursday night and you're the game that nobody cares about. Uh, (laughs) The scheduling basically says, yeah, we know nobody gives a damn. Uh, I'm taking Montreal only because I think BC is inconsistent. Saying that, BC is going to go out and absolutely kick their butts.
0: That's the thing. I feel like every week I have blown the Montreal game because I don't know what to expect from them.
1: Yeah, them or BC, they're both kind of the same team this year. You'll see some good things. You'll see some bad things. Seems week to week they're just a completely different team. Uh, so we're going to gonna be interested to see who shows up. Uh, I'm going to take the coin flip. I think Montreal knows that game is huge. I mean, it's going to be huge for both teams. Uh, they can really solidify a, cl- a crossover playoff spot if they can go ahead and beat the BC Lions.
0: I'm going to Alouette as well. We move to Sunday. Bombers and Riders, where the Riders have won 10 in a row.
1: And they're going to make it 11 in a row. I can't see Robert Marv uh, starting in quarterback. I think the team is going to absolutely rally behind Brett Smith after the pulling and behind new head coach Bob Dice. We talked about with Joel. Dice is so respected in that room. He's a well-liked guy. I think the Riders go out and do what they do every Labor Day and embarrass the Blue Bombers. And I'm going to be crying again on Sunday. We could be
0: uh, facing another 2011 situation here. Remember the Riders were just dismal heading into Labor Day.
1: The I remember. The, I remember awesome. the billboard. You were. It was Winnipeg took out billboards in Regina yeah. saying, "We love our Saskatchewan neighbors. They're just a little backwards." Because Winnipeg was nine, like eight and one, and re, uh, the Riders were like one and eight or one and seven. I don't quite recall, but you know the records were reversed, and then Winnipeg would go on and lose that game. And the Banjo Bull. Dad, so, don't
0: that, bah, meh. so after that all the fans in Ryderville were like we're coming back, we're coming back and then after the banjo bowl the wheels fell off bandwagon well, again.
1: It's got, it's got minus the fact that Winnipeg actually was good in 2011, it's quite similar. New coach taking over, Bob Dice yeah. making his coaching debut this Sunday just like old Grandpa Ken Miller did uh, back in 2011. Yeah, I think everything's coming up, Riders. Uh, you watch that team, they, the veteran guys genuinely, like, they love Brett Smith you know, he, he they just rally around this kid. I think you're going to see Messam get the ball a little bit more and i mean if, if the rider defense has been crap all year but robert marv has been crap all year uh i i think you're gonna see the riders come out on top fairly handedly in that one
0: and we didn't talk it during uh, the rider game during the fantasy expose, but man Messum had three carries this guy averages seven yards of carry and i know chapdelaine doesn't like to run the ball but you have to see that this guy is a juggernaut this year. Give him the ball more, and he should be seeing it more against Winnipeg.
1: And maybe Bobby Dice will do that. Well, it's going to be you're going to see some new things at a Saskatchewan this Sunday.
0: Yep, I uh, I got Riders as well. Of course, Monday probably my favorite CFL day of the year, other than the Grey Cup. I just love the Hammer and Argo's rivalry here. Uh, it is sold out at Tim Hortons Field uh, last week. It's too bad that they couldn't win on a Mosca night. It was really cool to see Mosca's speech yep. uh, on TSN. I'm glad they played the whole halftime uh, ceremony for that. But I'm I think we got to play the song again. I know we we kind of cursed them last week, but I think we got to play it. Cue it up right now.
2: Tie cats win. <laughs>
1: There it is, the sweet tones of the Kells as we pick the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I know, again, uh, Josh from Podski Wee Wee, that's now going to be stuck in your head after you listen to our little podcast. We need, been like, trying. we need like an Edmonton Eskimo song or something, too. Well, we could play the fight song.
2: Fight, fight, fight eh,
1: that's not as fun. Well, so uh, do we have to write one ourselves? <laughs> Well, considering I'm picking Calgary this week, we'll wait another week. That's that's your homework this week on the Two and Out CFL podcast. We're going to write ourselves an Edmonton Eskimos song. Yeah, I'm picking
0: Stamps as well this week. I do think... Does that mean we need a Stamps song?
1: I guess. They score points, the horse runs around, it's the Stamps, they're gonna win! I, I walk through the desert on a horse with no name. Oh yeah, yeah! Do that instead of the thing I just did. Play it, play it right now. I've been
0: through the desert on a horse with no name. I don't know if this inspires you to get on a football field for a Labor Day classic, but
1: what the hell? Uh. But it inspires me to drink beer while watching that Labor
2: Day classic.
0: <laughs> the Stamps have beat the Eskimos eleven games in a row. I don't see the streak ending here. However, I do think that the streak could be ending in the Labor Day rematch. So I've got...
1: I would agree with that. I think I think home field is the only difference there. Uh, I do see, though, uh, the big thing, I, I, I do see John Huffnagel... And, I mean, both these teams tend to eat rookie quarterbacks alive. Uh, Hocknagel's had a couple uh, weeks to prepare for Jermaine Franklin. I know he's James. (laughs) We're just going to call him Jermaine. We're going to roll with it. Um, He's got a couple weeks to prepare for him. He'll know what he's going to bring to the table. I think he'll have a a scheme done up that'll make it a little harder on the young quarterback. But either way, I think both those Monday games are going to be absolute beauties.
0: A really cool thing uh, regarding this Labor Day weekend, the Monday games, it is the first time both The East and West division have first place on the line for Labor Day.
1: Interesting. Making it
0: even better. Yeah, I totally can't wait for it. I'll be at the Ryder game and I'll be at the Stampeders game Uh, Sunday night. We're doing the overnight in Medicine Hat to cut the drive Uh, a little bit. I totally can't wait for that. Now, I was mean to you earlier in the show, but I'll let you plug yourself. Uh, What are you calling this weekend, man?
1: Uh, This weekend the Saskatchewan Huskies home opener, homecoming game. They take on the Manitoba Bisons. I'll be on the sidelines. Dave Thomas Barkley Schlosser uh, will be up in the booth. Uh, That's cjwwradio.com. Our pregame show starts at 6 o'clock and then myself I step up into the booth with my good friend Chris Hengen Braun as uh, if you follow junior football at all first place showdown in the pfc the two best junior football teams in canada right now face off in saskatoon saskatoon minor football field our pregame show goes saturday night 6 30 so we you know there's no foot there's going to be no football on toss us on in the background cjwwradio.com uh while you're doing whatever you may be doing on a saturday night hb and i will bring you uh that action and then i'm putting my feet up and uh probably drinking a lot of beer and watching the bombers and riders on sunday
0: Perfect. That does it for episode fifteen of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Let's hope nobody gets fired this week, okay? Uh, Especially but, us. Yes. Yeah. Can, can they fire us from our own show? I think they could. I think iTunes could take us down or
1: something. They they could. Don't we have a Don't we have an intern that uh, could make a like some sort of power move? Well, Tyrell actually wanted to be the intern of the podcast. I think so. Nah, I'm still looking through applications. I haven't seen bribery from Tyrell yet. Here's
0: an idea. If he gets the Brazilian instant intern.
1: I like it. I like oh. it. We'll pitch that to him on our Twitter account.
0: <laughs> Alright, that does it. Follow us on Twitter, two and out CFL. Follow us on Facebook, two and out CFL. See us on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Beautiful.